The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of Reality Realty are not necessarily the views or opinions of Northumberland 89.7 FM. The information given is designed to be informative and helpful. You should always consult a professional when buying or selling your home. This is Reality Realty. I'm Dale Bryant, and I'm a real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. And at this time each week, we bring you Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty, your local real estate forum, where we take on, we talk about, and we interview guests on all things real estate with a direct focus on Northumberland County and the communities within it. Imagine you have... 2,000 uh, 2000 square foot home and you only have about 1,100 square feet of useful space because you've packed the basement, the garage, and maybe even a bedroom full of stuff that you've collected over the years. Or maybe you're ready to downsize into a smaller home or condo, but all that stuff is stopping you from making your move. Well, it might be time for a yard sale. Joining us later on this morning will be Catherine Gissing from Sage Relocation Services, and we'll be looking at how to create a successful garage sale, and we'll also look at the mechanics and benefits of organizing a community garage sale. Before we get into today's topics, let's see what's happening in the snapshot report of our May 10, 2018 local residential real estate market. There have been 129 single-family residential sales over the past month, and that's an increase of only one sale over last week's report. It leaves us with a residential home inventory of 387 listings. The average selling price of successful sales over the past year has dropped again to approximately $397,000. The average selling price of successful sales over the past month is approximately $407,000. That's more or less $10,000 more than the year average. During the past year, people have been receiving on average approximately 98% of their asking price in a market time of 40 days. Northumberland County is in a seller's market with an absorption rate of approximately 33% based on the past month's sales trend. This means we have a residential home inventory that can satisfy approximately three months of sales at the rate homes have been selling. I research these Northumberland County statistics and I calculate the absorption rate using information from CoreLogic's matrix system. Matrix is a new realtor component of the MLS system, so if you're thinking of buying or selling a home, you'll want this information to be area-specific specific to the property type you're dealing with and the price band it's in. So talk to your local realtor to help you understand the Northumberland market information that's most relevant to you. Mortgage rates, a five-year fixed is as low as 3.34% and a five-year variable is as low as 2.41% and some conditions do apply. Today's mortgage rates come to us from mortgage broker Carol Ann Bryant with Dominion Lending Centers Alliance. And that, folks, is your current snapshot of the residential real estate market in Northumberland County. I just, before we get started here, I just want to mention that there's only 21 more days of our spring funding drive and advertising sales blitz. And one of the, one of the advertising fee, um, offers that's uh, available right now is is getting a radio ad for only $5 per ad. I don't think you'll ever see an FM radio advertising offered for this price again. So how it works, you you pay for 50 ads, you pay $250 plus tax, and that's going to work it to $5 per ad. And there are more... Um, there are more uh, offers available if you want to sponsor a show. And all you need to do is call into the station and uh, talk to somebody here. 
Uh, and if you really enjoy Reality Realty and shows like our show, go to Northumberland897.ca and click the donate button. Why not be part of the community that's responsible for bringing local FM broadcasting to our county? I'd just like to remind everyone that the views and opinions expressed on Reality, reality Realty, it's been a while that I've, since I messed that one up, um, Views and ex- opinions expressed on our show or any of the articles presented don't represent the views and opinions of the station, of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors, or of any real estate brokerage or any other realtor. There simply are views and opinions at this time. So it's time to welcome today's guests. We have the owner of Sage Relocation Services here, Catherine Gissing. Catherine, welcome and thanks for joining us again. Hi, Dale. It's always a pleasure to be back. Yeah, well, it's always great to have you. And uh, it's it's just about garage sale time, isn't it? It is. You know, one of the most reliable indicators of spring <coughs> is mm-hmm. those flowers that pop up and the, the lawn that needs cutting and the garage sale signs. Mm-hmm. And as you drive around the county, you're going to see a lot of those have started popping up in the last couple of weeks. We had kind of a late start to spring, so they were late coming too. Mm-hmm. But they're... The tide has changed, and you'll see a lot of those. And so our topic today is really to talk about the pros and the cons, because Mm -hmm. there are pros and there are cons of, you know, taking the time to run a garage sale. And we're going to talk about some of the best practices. So if you decide to do it, you actually adopt some of these best practices. And we're also going to explore the idea of running a community event. So Mm -hmm. if you're part of a community, a neighborhood, perhaps you want to do a block sale, perhaps you want to do a community sale, There are ways to do that, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then lastly, the final hook is there is an emerging trend in community garage sales to have a philosophical, not a philanthropic twist. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about what that means. Great. And and so if if we had, if we had a show heckler, which I'm sure we don't have a show heckler, at least nobody that shows up at the uh, station. But if there was a show heckler out there, and they might say right now, why in the world is a real estate show talking about garage sales? Uh, do you think they'd have a point? Have we missed the mark here? What What's your opinion on that? Well, I think they go hand in hand, quite honestly. And with all respect to the heckler, wherever they might be, it's a common known fact that as in the springtime, the real estate market increases. The, the supply increases, the demand increases. That's where most of the activity centers. And as people start thinking about putting their house for sale in the market, they start taking a look at, hmm, how much stuff is actually in this house and how are we going to get it cleared out so that the realtor can actually take the pictures and the buyers can actually see the home. And historically, one of the ways of clearing the house out has been a garage sale. And so I see the topic as being perfectly aligned. Mm-hmm. Well, and and so the heckler does exist. The heckler is in my own mind. And every time I think of a topic, I, I ask myself before before I say, okay, I say, is this a real estate topic? And is this going to be uh, beneficial to the listener? And absolutely it is. I, I totally agree with getting your house ready for sale. But we also do home maintenance. I mean, you've bought a home, you live in a home. And so we also talk about on Reality Realty, um, making that home work for you and keeping that home up and definitely thinning out the, sp- you know, the things you'll never use is, is part of home maintenance and uh, something. And because there's so many yard sales out there, wouldn't it be nice if you knew the best ways to uh, make it successful? Agreed. Because one of the things we'll talk about during our show is the fact that it takes a fair amount of muscle and time actually to put together a worthwhile event. And Mm -hmm. so if you're going to commit the time to it and the muscle, you should actually know some of the best recommendations so you have the best chance of success. Well, why don't we get right into it then, Catherine? Less, I'm I'm thinking my, well, my, my big part of my job is marketing. I market homes. I market myself. Uh, one of the first things I think about with a garage sale is is proper marketing for the sale. What what is some of your experience or advice on on garage sale marketing? Well, think of uh, think of your event as a store. Think of it as a retail environment, and you're inviting people into a retail environment. So, in order for them to know it's there, they need 
they need some forewarning. They need some prior, they need some advertising prior to the event. So the traditional route, and you'll see this all through the county, the traditional route has been the newspaper. And the newspaper is still a very good channel of information. And our recommendation is you think about multiple ads rather than just one, Mm-hmm. say the week before the event, think about when you're likely to capture people's attention and trigger their action. So think about posting an ad maybe the week before and then maybe the Thursday before the weekend that you're actually running the event. So you have a ha- you have half a chance of actually hitting people twice with the same information. Also think about how you write the ad. So make the ad attractive and make it appealing. Think about writing copy like you're an advertising copywriter. Mm-hmm. You know, put, suggest some of the items in the sale that are most likely to attract people's attention and make them sound really appealing because you want to set yourself aside or apart from all the other garage sales that are posted in the same newspaper. So that would be the first recommendation. The second recommendation is social media is a wonderful tool. It's a biggie. Uh, so social media, when you're talking about that, I'm, I'm going to guess you're talking about the Facebook and Twitter uh, Google Plus, Instagram, Instagram. think of ways to post pictures of some of the best items that are coming up. So that would be Instagram, Mm. you know, uh, photograph them in an attractive way, make sure that they get up and there's some information there about what the event is. Think about your Facebook channels, think about your friends' Facebook channels. If it's a big enough event, think about actually creating a Facebook event page and actually turning it into an event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and that, that would really apply, I think, in, in the second half of the show when we're talking about that community and, and neighborhood uh, sale. Absolutely. And then also think about Kijiji. Think yes. about some of those free channels that are available to you. If you go on Kijiji today, you'll see all sorts of ads for garage sales. Think about the local buy and sells, online buy and sell. So Port Hope is a very active buy and sell mm-hmm. site. Think about posting something there. They don't cost anything other than your time and some good quality pictures and and i stress good quality pictures because again this is a retail environment you're trying to entice people to come in yeah and i i saw another thing on the web too when when i was doing my homework for this show and there was one uh, called g uh g s a l r so g sailor garage sailor dot c a and so if you were looking for garage sales in in your area you put the postal code of the area you're in and anyone who had registered a garage sale on G Sailor, I mean, you need them to register it. So, I mean, it's something that could catch on too. So there's <coughs> different things out there. So that that covers the good uh, a good part. Oh, we're not done. Oh, we're not done. We're not because done because there's more. So when you're thinking about advertising or promoting the event, you have to think about how you promote it before, mm-hmm. which is the newspaper ads, which are is the social media information. Also think about the drive-bys. So you need, obviously, signs, and but you need them before the event, again, because you're trying to tweak as much interest as possible, but you don't want to have it be visual garbage. So good quality signs, big, clear, clear lettering, clear arrows, clear directions, all that kind of stuff. If there's somebody in your home that's got an artistic bent, give them a great big piece of foam core and a big thick felt marker and let them go to town. And make sure that you understand that that you create enough signs so that there's direction to where you are as well. Don't put a single sign up and mm-hmm. expect it to do the job. You're leading th- people from from through the neighborhood to where you are. So you might want to have a series of signs. And I would suggest start putting up signs two days before. So if it's a Saturday event, and the majority of of sales are on the weekend for obvious reasons. So if it's a Saturday event, think about putting up your first set of signs maybe on Thursday night. And then at the very least, on Friday night, just before the event, you're out and you're putting up the rest of the signs. All right. So so a couple things on that, Catherine, that I think of is is the actual signs. And so if people have a realtor that they use, a lot of us realtors will have garage sale signs. I know when I had my signs made up for open houses, and we have we have a really nice sandwich, heavy su- sandwich sign. When I had mine made up, I put um, open house on one side, and then you can flip it around, and there's garage sale with a big arrow on the other side. So 
uh, one thing is to ask your local realtor, the realtor that you use, um, if they have some signage that you could borrow for that for that weekend. Now, here's a personal preference. When you say put a, put signs out a couple days ahead, and this this leads into another uh, couple items: is when do you have your sale? So, I mean, the way you were speaking about it, uh, it sounds like a Saturday might be the ideal uh, time that you're referring to. Garage sale buyers, the the real hardcore garage sale buyers, they start out so early in the morning and they, they frighten me because I'm not the guy that wants to be setting my alarm at 5 o'clock to get set up for the garage sale. It's just... I want a successful sale, but that's not me. So, I mean, I personally, I like to get up, start setting up my tables, and when it's about 90% done, and if Carol Ann's just finishing it, then I'll go out and put up the sign because I find those people that come early, they just slow down your whole process. So if you're hoping to have the sale done at uh, starting at maybe 830 if you get enough of these people driving by I f- and, and then you start to talk to them, uh, they could put you uh, a whole half hour behind. So do you have, do you have a solution for I me? I have a suggestion about how you might approach that differently. Yeah. First of all, I would say you need to be 100% ready the night before. So no last-minute preparations. And think about using your garage as the staging area. So Mm -hmm. the garage door is closed. You've got tables set up. And tables are important because you want to bring things up to viewing height so people don't have to bend down to look at things. Or bookcases so that you can use them for merchandising. Or rolling wardrobe racks so that you can hang your clothes. So display things at a convenient level and as attractively as possible and have all those things staged in your garage and have them there ready the night before. So the day of the event, let's say it's Saturday, and maybe you've advertised a seven o'clock start, what you should be doing. As advertise, a s- just hang on a second. You said, I was talking about a, uh, what I thought was an ambitious 8.30 start. Okay. You just said 7 o'clock start? Well, here's the deal. The, de- the deal <laughs> oh my is goodness. you can post whatever time you want, but if you've done a good job of promoting it, the people that are really interested are going to be there early yeah, because, right. first of all, you're going to get some professionals that are actually looking for content for their own sales channel, maybe dealers, maybe people that have thrift stores, and they're looking for quantity. So they're prepared to come there first and fast, and they're going to be there early. And regardless of what time you want to start, they're going to start early. So be prepared for them and don't be surprised and welcome them in because these are professionals and they might actually be able to buy in volume, which is a good thing because never lose sight of the fact, Dale, that your objective is to sell. Yeah, and and uh, and the, and I I'm I'm on board with with all that. But the also these people that come early, they have sharp eyes, and and if you have some good stuff, I mean that good stuff's going to be gone too by the time the masses come at uh, at a more sensible hour, like seven. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be an early start, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah, and 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 that's and I understand that, and that's the optimum garage sale. And we're going to get into even more about this sale, I know, because forget about the evening before. We're we're going to be getting into well. Let's are we are we done now with it? Like if you if you're setting up those signs, I think you need about, I think you need at least a half a dozen. It depends on where you are. And, and only the whoever is running the sale can say for certain how mm-hmm. easy it is to find their home and what kind of visibility they need in terms of the number of signs and the placement of signs. But going back to the night before, Dale, there's a lot of other things that should have happened before you yeah. actually open the door. Well, why, why don't, well, we're pretty close to a break. So why don't we just take a break and we'll get back into preparing for your successful garage sale. All right, folks, uh, you've been listening to Reality Realty, Northumberland 89.7 FM's local real estate talk. Join us after this break, and Catherine will explain how I have been inadequately prepared (laughs) for most of my garage sales in the past and how they could have been much more successful. 
Welcome back. This is Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest this morning is Catherine Gissing from Sage Relocation Services. And today we're talking about yard sales. Catherine, before the break, we started talking about uh, we started talking about marketing and preparing for a yard sale. And uh, we're going to get into the uh, well, marketing, how, how to let people know that the yard sale even exists prior to the sale and during the sale. And we're going to get into preparation. But I, I noticed a, a little bit of yard sale trivia I just want to hit on right now. Um, and these are uh, a, a few famous yard sale finds. There's this fellow, Rick uh, Nor- Norsigian. Uh, he bought, a, a 65, uh, bought 65 peculiar glass uh, plates at a Los Angeles warehouse salvage sale in 2000. He paid $45. Uh, the plates were later confirmed by a team of experts to be original photographic negatives taken by the famed uh, nature photographer Ansel Adams. And they were praised at as much as $200 million. Yeah. Uh, another one in 2008, uh, Tony Marone uh, bought a box full of old papers at a garage sale for $5 and discovered that it contained a stock certificate for an oil company, which was acquired by the Coca-Cola company and now worth 1.8 million shares of stock. Today's value for that, $130 million for his $5. And then this last one I, I put down here. In 2012, a man bought a sketch at a Las Vegas yard sale that turned out to be an original Andy Warhol painting appraised at $2 million. It, it didn't say what he paid for it, but I think it was far less than $2 million. So, yeah, a few, a few neat finds, um, some of the best finds, but you can get good finds at a yard sale, can't you? You can, but those are interesting stats because it's actually a segue into talking about some of the things you need to do in preparation for your sale. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And so my advice is know what you're selling, which sounds like an obvious thing, but the process of knowing what you're going to sell is twofold. First of all, it's identifying the things that you're willing to sell. And taking the time to isolate them before the sale. During the break, Dale and I were talking about preparation for sale. And my recommendation is you start weeks in advance. Dale may not do that, (laughs) full disclosure. I don't do that. He doesn't do that. But my recommendation is that the listeners do that. Give yourself the gift of time and start weeks ahead of time. If you have a vacant space in the house or in the garage, use that as a staging area and start stockpiling the things that you are willing to sell. Then step back and take a look at what you have and look at it objectively and decide whether or not there's anything in there that might warrant an appraisal. And if you think it warrants an appraisal, take the guesswork out of this so you don't release something that you might come to regret later on. Take, again, the gift of time. Reach out to a local auctioneer. There are a number of appraisal services that you can find online. Dr. Dr. Google is great for that. Take a look at what you're actually dealing with so that you understand whether or not you should have a professional appraisal done of those things. And, and that's especially true when, when you have items that have been passed down through the family, right? And, uh, or or you've, you've gotten them at other yard sales and you don't know the source. Um, if, you, if you know it, most everything there has been either bought at uh, Canadian Tire, Walmart, Home, Home Depot, or Costco, then uh, no appraisal required. True, yeah. true. And, of course, the flip side <coughs> of that caution is to be realistic about what you own and to adjust your expectation about monetary value. I will tell you that because of the nature of our business, we are a downsizing company, and because of the nature of that business, we see merchandise day in and day out that families have been holding on to for generations and may have had the belief that they were worth more than they actually were. And it's always a bit of a surprise to find about the shifting value of things in the market that at one point in time were quite valuable and no longer are so because there's so much of that in the market. And a classic example of that would be silver. So you'll see a Mm. lot of silver items in the market, but as you're preparing for your sale, take the time to flip them over and see if there's any markings on the back. See if there's anything to indicate that it might be silver plate, 
which it more probably is, than sterling. So it's up to you as the seller to satisfy your curiosity beforehand before you actually release it to a buyer. Because not only will that you prevent you from giving something away that might be valuable, and that's an important question to ask yourself, but it also helps you set your expectations about price. Because the other thing about garage sales is before you open that garage door on Saturday morning at 7 o'clock, you're going to have the pricing stickers on and ready to go. And you will have done your research beforehand because it's your responsibility to go out to other garage sales a week or two before yours in order to gauge what the market demand and pricing is. It's also your responsibility to do a little searching around Google or other online websites to figure out what those items are have sold for. And, and I say have sold as opposed to are posted for sale for because the thing the price tag that they might be offered for is not necessarily reflective of what they would actually sell for. So Catherine, you likely had no idea stepping into this studio this morning that I would be sitting across from you being being the anti garage sale guy. <laughs> well, you're squirming in your seat. I know because when I do a garage sale, I don't price a thing. I don't put a tag on one thing. If I see somebody looking at it and they're interested, they got to ask me how much. Or if they're not asking me, I might approach them and say, you know, got any use for that or, or tell them a little bit of something. I like to engage in the conversation. And, uh, and I just like to uh, sort of wing it. So let me ask you a question, Dale. Yeah. Would you offer a home for sale without actually providing a listing price? Not a chance. There is so, Catherine, there's so much preparation that goes into and selling I know, a home. I know there is. <laughs> and so if you value that house, then you do your research. And that's where a realtor yeah. is really valuable is they can bring that objectivity about selling price. Mm -hmm. And so you can run your garage sale any darn way you want. Yeah. But if your objective is to make money and feel satisfied about the transaction, you as the seller has to have to take responsibility for doing that research beforehand. If that doesn't matter and you simply want to get rid of stuff, then you can make it a more casual exchange and yeah. you don't have to put prices on there. So it's really up to the individual to decide. Yes, and, and I must admit, on my garage sales, it is my focus is get rid of this stuff, and um, and if I make some money, that's great. So I know I could be so much more successful if I um, paid attention to your advice <laughs> here. So so what else, what else can I do, Catherine, to prepare to make my next sale more successful? Okay, so let's think of some of the small nuances. Let's talk about providing access to electricity. Mm, yeah. Okay, so if you're selling something that uh, has a plug, think about how you're going to plug it in somewhere so that a buyer can actually verify whether it works. Ab absolutely, and and I, I know that's something I do do. I'll plug, I'll plug in it. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're looking surprised and proud <laughs> at the same time. I'm <clears throat> I'll plug an extension cord in through the garage and have it there. If I, if I have anything like... Uh, an older alarm clock or or anything that needs to be plugged in. I always make sure I have uh, I have that. Another thing we didn't we didn't actually talk about, but how about getting ready with uh, with change? Yes. How so many people come to and, and 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 lay down a twenty for that fifty cent item? Or that $2.50 item. Yeah, absolutely. And so our recommendation is make sure that you've got small bills, you've got toonies, you've got loonies. Make sure you've got a money belt or someplace to secure the money as you're walking around. And if you're fortunate enough to actually sell a great quantity of things and you end up with a bit of cash in your pocket, mm -hmm. do the right thing and put that in the house. Just in turn, be safe, be careful, and put the big, big, the big money away, the big bucks that you're getting from the garage sale. If that happens, put it in the house for security. But yes, absolutely make sure that you've got change because you've got to, you got to expect that people are not necessarily coming prepared with their own change. You know, uh, the other thing I have and I use is I have this very masculine um, belt with a little pouch on it, and <laughs> and I put my I put my change in that. 
Would you advise that? Is that a good idea? Better than pockets? Uh, you know, we're talking about fanny packs here. What are we talking about? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, fanny pack. Okay, so whatever works. <laughs> you know, better than just your pocket, Dale. Yeah. So there you go. There's another thing I, I'm doing right. I, There's I, another thing, yes. I just want to highlight a few of those. There are a few. I, we started out and I wasn't feeling very good about myself. No, no, no. It's all good. It's yeah. all good. Now you talked about display tables. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not everybody's a professional yard sailor. How can they, where, where can they look? Where can they find or create uh, proper tables for their yard sale? Okay, well, um, I would poll your neighbors, first of mm-hmm. all, see who has one. And because you're only really using it for the day, maybe two days, if you're holding it on a Saturday and a Sunday. So beg and borrow wherever mm-hmm. you can. And in uh, mentioning that to your neighbors, sometimes that triggers interest as well. So you garner maybe a little more stuff or maybe somebody else's involvement, and that's a good thing. The other thing you can do is look around and be creative with what you have. Do you have sheets of plywood that you could put on some... Sawhorses. Uh, on some sawhorses. Yeah. Um, there are places in the county where you can rent tables. You can go to, there's a party supply store in Colburn that has 150 tables. You can rent them for $8 a piece. So, so was, yeah, that's an option as well. But the bottom line is make it easy for people to see things mm-hmm. because, again, we're talking about a retail space. You're displaying things as a retailer would. And, and so when you have your tables laid out so that people can actually see things at, you know, at a comfortable height, also think about how you group things. And it seems obvious, but probably worth stating, group things in themes if you can if you've got jewelry at one end costume jewelry hopefully it's costume jewelry Mm -hmm. at one end if it's toys at one end it's toys at one end if it's books it's books group things so that it makes it easy for people that love those kinds of things to find them easily and and now you you mentioned jewelry costume hopefully one of the things we found out is people will steal at a yard sale unfortunately they'll take an opportunity and lift something. So the the other thing I would think is set up your tables in such a way that there's there's space for uh, several people to pass each mm-hmm. other between tables and also set them up so you have good visibility when you're uh, watching the sale. And, and I mean, Carolyn and I, we do it together. Uh, the other thing is tag team it because sometimes somebody needs to be there to uh, get, get some refreshments or... Or, um, you know, put away some change or do maybe they're testing something. So it's good to have two people there because, unfortunately, bad things can happen. It does happen. It does happen. On the other hand, if you simply want to get rid of things, maybe it's not so, not that I'm promoting (laughs) it, but maybe it's not so bad. But, yes, have multiple people. I mean, this could be a family event. Think of it as a family event. It's the sort of thing that your kids can get involved in, too. Mm -hmm. Assign them a task. Like, don't just leave them to their own devices. Tell them they are responsible for a table. Give them ownership over that. Yeah, and... uh, and I think we, we had a lot of tables there. Uh, and and I did have a number of sawhorses that I could use. And I think I even used some stacking boxes, like some of those plastic bins that mm-hmm. are, are very uh, sturdy. And, and I believe I, I had some ch- big chunks of drywall. Mm-hmm. And I used that. And sure. that worked great. Or and doors. And old a, doors. Yeah, a door would work great. And uh, I even had a huge commercial... Uh, uh, for sale sign. Perfect. And so I, I put that on and, and that worked really well too. So you can be a little bit creative and help it on your back deck. You might have a deck table that might just work perfect out there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the prepping, your items themselves, you're putting, you're putting price tags on. What about just preparing those items otherwise um, you know clean up repair what what do you what do you think well it depends upon the quality of the item how it's priced and what you expect out of it so if it's actually quite a good product and you're attaching a reasonable price to it then 
expect that you're trying to attract a buyer. So always think about how is the buyer going to see this? At the very least, make sure it's clean. Mm -hmm. At the very, very least, make sure it's clean. And be realistic about what you expect people to buy. If it looks like junk to you, it may look like junk to them. And mm -hmm. and so objectivity is a very good thing because you don't want to go to the time and trouble of laying things out if clearly they should go to garbage. And if they should go to garbage, they should probably not go to a donation center either. So be realistic about where those things actually belong. You talk about, Catherine, a 7 a.m. start. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I, I would adapt some things that you're telling me. Not sure I'll adapt the 7 a.m. start. But when, when would a yard sale typically end? When, when do people stop? coming around to those sales? Well, I would say probably early to mid-afternoon. And really, it you will know as the seller based upon the traffic. Mm -hmm. There comes a peak of activity and then it drops off. And it's really up to the individual seller. You can shut, you can shut the doors at any time you wish, but you'll be able to gauge when the traffic starts to drop off. And then it's really a question of whether or not you want to commit more time to it. You also take a look at what's left on the tables, mm -hmm. which is a whole different question because there will be things left on the tables. At the end of the sale? Yes. And what in the world, you'd be asking yourself, what, are, what am I gonna do with this now? Am I gonna have another yard sale next week? Where is it gonna go? Where, where does it typically go? Well, it typically goes wherever the seller wishes it to go. If a seller still wants to retain ownership over those things and bring them back into the house, then they come back into the house. Our recommendation is don't even think about doing that. You've gone to all this time and trouble actually to sell them. You've already cleared out those spaces mm -hmm. in your house. Don't backtrack. Don't undo all that good work. So our recommendation is you take a look at the things that are left and you divide them into two categories. You divide them into things that might go if you simply put them out on the curb. Mm -hmm. And you see at the end of garage sales, you commonly see a, a mound of things at the end of a driveway with a sign that says for free. And if you're going to do that, expect that someone's going to be picked, that someone will pick it up and make sure you're comfortable with that. Because really, if your objective is to clear this stuff out, the buyers have already been through. You've already had a clear message that nobody's going to buy it that day. So if you're comfortable with letting it go, that would be the easiest route. Mm -hmm. The next route would be then take a look at maybe the smaller items that are left over, the vases, the cups, the books, the toys, and ask yourself whether or not they are suitable for a donation center. And there are all sorts of nonprofits throughout the county that would be grateful to have them. They're not likely to pick them up, so it's going to be your responsibility to get it to them. But before you take it to them, make sure they are things that you think would satisfy the needs of that organization. Because we're a downsizing company, we use the nonprofit centers a lot. We take a lot of things there on a daily basis sometimes. And we're always careful that we take things to them that, that provide value to them and their clients. There's no point taking junk because then mm -hmm. they are charged with the responsibility of getting rid of that. They incur a disposal cost and it undermines the good work they do. And, and a, another interesting thing, and I just want to say this before we go to break, is... Uh, if you do a Google search and you um, go to the Government of Canada website and facts on garage sale vent for garage sale vendors, um, they'll make you very aware that there's a number of products you can't you can't sell because they're banned in Canada, like baby walkers and infant feeding devices. Uh, there there was uh, Jacurti beans or anything made with these uh, uh, Jacurti beans. Quirty beans. I, I didn't have a chance to look up what that was. Lawn darts with elongated tip. They're banned in Canada. Um, polycarbonate baby balls uh, containing BPAs. Uh, so none, all that stuff is banned, and it's it's even banned at the used level. You you can't sell it at a yard sale. It's not legal. And they also say you're you're also legally responsible uh, for ensuring that the products are safe and that they're um, they're they meet the current regulatory requirements. Even though you bought them, they were fine when you bought them, you're selling them now. And, and a, a lot of these items are to do with babies and mm -hmm. children. And so, you know, educate yourself on what you can and can't uh, sell at that sale. That's a terrific point. 
Yeah. So, Catherine, we're gonna we're gonna take a break now. So, folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty Northumberland eighty nine seven FM's local real estate talk. Join us after this break, and we'll be getting into upping the ante and creating a community neighborhood garage sale. Why do it, and what to expect. Welcome back. This is your local real estate forum, Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty. That's the first time I said Reality Realty today without fumbling. <laughs> Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest today is Catherine Gissing. And our topic is all about taking back control of the space in your house or getting it ready for downsizing. And we're talking about garage sales or yard sales. And... Before the break, Catherine, we were talking, uh, we spent the first part of the show talking about a successful yard sale and things things to do, things not to do. And uh, you, you've been talking a little bit about the community yard sale, the neighborhood yard sale, as opposed to just uh, being a, a lone ranger and doing it yourself. Why would somebody want to up the ante and, and turn it into a community sale? Well, there's lots of good reasons to think about making it a joint event. And I would say think about it as the difference between going to shop at a boutique as opposed to going to shop at a big box store. Mm-hmm. A big box store offers the scale. Lots of stuff, lots of parking, lots of people for support. Think of your community in the very same way. So if you're looking to draw lots of traffic to attract lots of attention, if you're looking to recruit manpower to make it a bigger event, then think of it as a community event because A, you'll have more stuff, you'll have more people to organize it, hopefully more advertising because you'll have some people to assign to that. But the intangible benefit, which is often overlooked, is the sense of camaraderie. Mm. that happens as a result of working together as a group. And so if you're in a neighborhood, you have the benefit of drawing upon your neighbors to help make this a success. And not only do you work together beforehand to organize it, but you work through the event yourself together. And then often, and we always encourage this, there's a little bit of a party or celebration afterwards. So it actually knits together a community. It's one of those events that actually knits the community together. Yeah, so, uh, which is really neat. Maybe you already have a good sense of community, so it, it just makes it stronger. And, and maybe people haven't really had a chance to speak to each other and meet each other yet. And so it, what a great uh, springboard into getting to know your neighbors a little bit better. But there's going to be different dynamics going on with creating a community uh, yard sale, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of commonality. Uh, but what what are some of the things that you need to be aware of if you're saying let's try and turn this into a neighborhood sale well i'd say first of all you have to what i call pick your peeps Mm -hmm. which means you need to recruit people that are going to be part of the organizing committee because unless you're planning on doing this all yourself which i would not suggest you do you need a group of people that are part of the organizing community so you need to first of all broadcast this within your community so that you get agreement that this is a good thing to do and you have people that come forward or you request for people to come forward to be part of the committee. And once you have identified people that are willing to work through the organization with you, then you need to take a look at who they are and what their skill sets are so that you can assign them specific tasks. So this is a project just like any other project. Mm -hmm. And you might have somebody assigned to advertising or writing copy if they're really they're a strong writer or they're a strong graphic artist you might have somebody assigned to traffic control if they want really want to take a look at you know how what's the layout of the community and how are we going to uh, you know make it safe you might have somebody that's responsible for uh, in uh, renting tables maybe Mm -hmm. somebody takes control of that as part of a community thing you might have somebody that takes a look at Oh, refreshments. You know, think about upping the ante and actually offering a refreshment booth and maybe putting the children at the table so that they've got something to do or maybe mm-hmm. some someone that's more elderly at the table so they can be part of the activity but they don't have to be physically involved. And the refreshment table could be stocked with great food or you could have, you know, people contribute things that they bake for it and it's actually a form of revenue as well. So somebody who's running that can actually be responsible for their own little revenue stream. And that could, the uh, money there could be split between the participants or 
or you were you were talking about uh, well m- maybe it's too soon right now. No, nope, uh, not too soon. Uh, so a, a bit of a philan- uh, help me philanthropic philanthropic approach. Yes, the the proceeds from a community event can be channeled any number of ways. You can split them equally among individuals you can you know everybody can be responsible for their own revenue and maybe a percentage of that goes back to a common fund the common fund then can be used to pay for things like the items on the refreshment table uh, the purchase of materials for the events or the advertising Mm -hmm. costs any overhead costs any organizational costs a recent twist and and one that seems to uh, really help create that sense of community at these events is choosing a nonprofit that you're particularly passionate about and assigning a portion of that common revenue to them. Mm. And this does a number of really interesting things. First of all, there's a real satisfying feel good benefit to that Mm -hmm. so that you're helping support uh, your nonprofit of choice in the community. It also gives the nonprofit a chance to be involved in the event as well. Think about inviting them in so they have a presence. Maybe they have a table. Oh, that would be a really cool idea. Yeah. Uh, that That's, you know, you, you couple that with the refreshments that you're really making that an event. Yeah, it also gives you a way to, to distinguish your event from other competing events. And so you're not just a community garage sale, you're a community garage sale with, pur- with purpose. There's a degree of social purpose to this. And also, don't ov- overlook the fact that many nonprofits have very strong social media channels. Take advantage of them as a as a communication channel to promote your event. Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking, the, creating such a big event, and you were talking earlier about potentially having some volunteers in the neighborhood to maybe help with traffic. If you're creating such an event on your street, um, should you be looking at the the town, talking to the town or the township about any? Any possible rules Absolutely, involved. absolutely. One of the first phone calls you want to make is to public works. If you're in a private community, maybe to the developer, you want to mm-hmm. find out whether or not there's any restrictions that would apply to the event that you might run. And you want to do that early so you don't get too deep into the planning segment and then realize that you're not allowed to do it. But it's a quick phone call and maybe mm-hmm. something in writing just to confirm it. Right. And and so how about just gathering everybody up in your neighborhood and, and making them aware of what your intentions are and trying to draft people to maybe become part of the group that organizes it? How would you recommend you start doing that? Well, I would take a look at the communication channels that are available to you. If you live in, if you're on a street, if it's a street party mm-hmm. that you're making, that you're thinking of doing, that's a door-to-door recruitment. You simply go door-to-door, you, you know, you leave a flyer. So think about how you're going to print the, what you're going to write on the flyer. Maybe it's printed off on a, on, a, on a Word program. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. But assume that people may not be home, so you have to leave something behind so they know what's going on. So think about how you're going to promote it door-to-door for a street. If it's a larger community that's got multiple streets, think about how you're going to reach all those people without, without having, go to, going, having to go door-to-door. So in that case... Is there a website? Some communities have a website, an intranet. So think about posting something there. Some of them have Facebook pages. So think about their Facebook page. Some of them have newsletters. So think about their newsletters. It's up to the individual who's um, manning the event, who's in charge of the event, to figure out the best communication channels and use them early in order to attract interest. So when you're, you're, you're obviously not just talking about a street or a court, you're, you're suggesting it could be bigger. It could be, it could be say, the new Amherst uh, it could be. garage sale, or it could be the, the East End garage sale. Oh, and think about how exciting that would be. I would go to that. Yeah, yeah, so, so really neat. And um, I was just, when, when you first mentioned community neighborhood, I was just thinking a street or a court. So it just depends on your imagination and what what you're willing to do and and your organizational and your skill because organizational the bigger the bigger it is the more the more um, help that you need and also the more time you need so be realistic about the organization time if it's a if it's a community of significant size even if it's just a block 
Give yourself, again, the gift of time. Start a month ahead. Start five weeks ahead mm -hmm. because you need to recruit your, your people. You need to create your advertising. You need to um, make sure that everybody – you have to gauge the level of involvement. You have to give people guidelines about how they're going to organize their individual garage sale. So just don't block yourself in by doing it a week before. And the neat thing you also uh, put in your notes here that I noticed, uh, Catherine, is – if you're doing this neighborhood sale, and, and one of the reasons is the, the community feel, the camaraderie, and, and that is even including an end-of-sale party. Yes. And what a great idea to wrap it all up, and everybody, maybe mid-afternoon, you're all done. You clean up your tables, and uh, you count your money, and then you all march over to a designated area for end-of-sale party. Yeah, and you know, this goes back to one of the intents of having a community event. It's all about creating a sense of, of uh, purpose in the community and a sense of companionship. And so why not celebrate something together? And also, you could even, at the tail end of it, you could arrange for somebody to come with a big truck that picks up all the things that are now at the end of the driveway that people have agreed can be picked up and taken to your local nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And before you do that, you want to call your no local nonprofit and say, you should expect that a truck's going to be arriving at 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Do you need help offloading that? Catherine, we, we've, we've hit some great ideas uh, this morning on Yard Sale. And, and folks, hopefully you've picked up some some good pointers that can make your next yard sale more, more successful. Hopefully we'll be seeing in uh, papers or online about some community sales going on in Northumberland County in the future. And Catherine, there's a lot of services that you offer up at Sage Relocation Services. Can you, can you just um, quickly let us know what some of these services are and what's the best way to contact you? Well, we offer a lot of services, and, mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to just give you a snapshot of them. Sure. At its very simplest level, we are downsizers. And so we typically work with people that are downsizing from a larger home to a smaller home. And we help them figure out what they own, what they can reasonably keep in order to move into a smaller home. And then we put together a plan to redistribute the things they're not taking with them. So in the simplest, that's the simplest description of what mm -hmm. we do, but there is so much more. And, yeah, and you're stagers, and you help uh, prepare homes for sale. And so, Catherine, a good way people could contact you if they're interested in your services. Uh, the easiest way is always directly by phone, which is 905-717-3624. And we also have a full website. You can dig through there and uh, lose yourself in all the creative ideas. And you'll find that under Sage Relocation. Well, thank you so much again, Catherine, for joining us uh, again. We've already been talking about some neat topics for the future. So hopefully we'll be able to get you back in and, and do some of these uh, other topics. We've, we've thought of a few edgy topics that uh, I, I think would be really interesting. And, um, and I'd like to reach out to all the listeners again. If, if you enjoy uh, shows like Reality Realty and you would like to be part of the uh, community responsible for keeping shows like this um, going here on Northumberland 89.7 FM, please uh, go, to, go to the website um, and click the donate button and donate. If you have a small business and you're interested in in advertising on our station right now we're having our spring advertising and fundraising blitz you can get 50 ads for 250 dollars and that's five dollars an ad you're not going to i don't think you'll ever see um radio ads advertised this slow again so folks any questions about uh today's show or any comments please feel free to contact me by emailing dale at dalebryant.ca I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. And don't forget to join me next Thursday from 11 a.m. until 12 noon for Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM, truly local radio. Until next week, folks.